Greetings, Grapple fans, and welcome to a new series of podcast episodes as let me tell you something goes to a weekly output. Yeah, you waited so long for us, but we're back, baby, in weekly podcast form. And by we, I mean your co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and with me as always is my co-host... Simon Cross. Simon, we're doing our match of the week. Every week, in people's ear canals, they're either going to get a regular Let Me Tell You Something where we dissect an aspect of the professional wrestling world, a continuation of the Meltzer five-star project for every new match that Mr. Meltzer rates five stars or higher. But on top of that now, we're doing some more match reviews, some more shorter, sharper, wrestling-related content with a match of the week. And that match does not have to be of a five-star caliber doesn't have to be even good but what it has to be is something that we think can strike some interest and spark a conversation and maybe take another look at another aspect of the world of professional wrestling what we've decided a to palette do... widener if you will yes and what we've decided to do is take it in turns so i will be taking the odd numbered matches and simon will be taking the even numbered matches and so that means we start with match number one which is my choice, and we're going back in time. We're going back to a more reality-based, focused style of wrestling. As we watch from 1962, a two out of three falls contest in Chicago for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship between Lou Thez and the original nature boy, Buddy Rogers. Gorgeous man. Well, not gorgeous man, but decent looking chap. This is before the time of protein shakes and personal trainers with. A oh, he is cut, isn't he? And broccoli. He there is or, or, barely or, any fat. Know. There's no fat on him. <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? That it's it's a sign of the changing face of wrestling. Really, the Buddy Rogers is obviously of this small recent school of wrestling that's followed the Gorgeous George model and, and he is compared to gorgeous george by the commentator a couple of times in this match yeah but like you say the physique is more sculpted it's more aesthetic uh it's not functional luthez is in the shape of an athlete who is a wrestler and he exercises every week to keep himself in shape but he doesn't exercise every week to get some instagram likes which yeah. you can imagine buddy rogers in the 1962 version of instagram which is him Kissing a photo of himself at one point. <laughs> oh, he'd have cleaned up the likes in the modern era. Yeah. This very much, when you put those two side by side, you know the episode of The Simpsons where um, Mother Simpson is talking about uh, how what the moment that like sparked her like instinct yeah, to yeah, rebel, yeah. and it's the two American football players, the one with the wild mane, which is just like pure L'Oreal advert. Joe Willie Neyman swaggering off the field. His sideburns an apogee of sculpted sartorium. The boppish follicles pioneered by Ambrose Burnside Appomattox. 1865. And um, Lou Fez is very much the other one. Look at them sideburns. He looks like a girl. Now, Johnny Unitas, there's... A haircut you could set your watch to. And this is coming into the 1950s, which is one of the first real golden ages of wrestling on television. Yeah. It's, um... 
the style of the way it's presented is very of its time, but in a way it's like compared to how it would have been like just a few years before, one can imagine. It's it's quite modern for its era. Yeah, well Buddy Rogers at this point is thirty years old and Luthers is thirty five. But there is clearly a difference in appearance, presentation. Um but but it is still the um but well, Buddy Rogers is funny because he is—he has got the posturing and the preening at the start, yeah, and in between. But there's not a lot of play about with that in the match itself. What he is though is he is that classic heel, like he's healing throughout the whole match. And Luthers is playing the underdog babyface who is selling, and and the pace is mostly dictated by Buddy Rogers throughout. Yeah, yeah, I th- I think Buddy is very much the. Um... The driver, when it comes to like the uh, character of the match, yeah. I-, I think Fez is very much the reactor. He's a decent reactor. Um, yeah, I think he's more than decent, Simon. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. I, but this is this is it. I'm watching a match which took place 40 years before I was born, so I have to look, try and look at it through n- not just modern eyes, which is what I'm trying to do here. And um, for what they're doing at the time, it's very good. Uh, I guess I'm just. I, I was weaned on more expressive, like more flopping baby, like you know, baby faces. That's... But this is at a point where wrestling is still being presented for the most part as being real. Yeah. And what is funny is that we're seeing these things that become commonplace in wrestling, but there's a lot more of a realistic element to them. Even the running of the ropes feels more believable mm. in this than it does in pretty much all other kinds of wrestling. The way they like eighties the on when when someone's being whipped into the rope, it's just for that immediate bounce off and within a step or two they're in contact with the opponents, either winning the yeah. shoulder block or there's catches him in a drop toe hold at one point. You know And even the way they execute the moves, like the shoulder tackle, it's it's like a tackle rather yeah. than like just there's, yeah, there is there is less of a, a, a cleanness to everything. That's it. Thank when you. When they go yeah. into a lockup, it's not just an immediate. That's what we do. They're sort of pouring at each other, like a, like almost like lions in a mm. combative situation before getting into either the knuckle lock or the collar and elbow tie up. It's like they're grasping at each other until they get into the collar and elbow tie up. It's almost like. Um, uh, almost like a deadlock, like they they can't. Hmm. Neither of them can get past the other one, so it goes into that naturally. Whereas and it's most nice. of the time, it's just kind of a this is how we start up a match. It's like I was saying in Lucha Libre, the equivalent of the lockup is one of them running the ropes and the other one slapping them on the back. Yeah, it's a sign of let's go. Whereas with Thez and and Rogers, they're not looking to lock up; they're looking to find an opening. But when they can't find it, then it naturally then they lock up so into, into it, a yeah. lockup. Yeah. I've just got this thing here now, uh, Luthez, um, writing about him in his autobiography. Uh, Rogers is remembered by fans and performers alike as one of the top all-time stars in the business, but it's probably not common knowledge just how influential he was. He broke into the business somewhere around 1941 as a hero-type personality, with little more going for him than a good body and natural charisma in the ring, which is actually a pretty good beginning. And he was a <laughs> almost from the start. He had that indefinable something fans responded to, and he was sharp enough to build upon what he had, paying attention to what got a reaction from the fans. What evolved over several years was the nature boy, the prototype of the cocky, strutting, sneering, arrogant, peroxide blonde villain that is almost a tired wrestling cliche today. Rogers invented the character, and I believe he did it better than anyone. 
He was one of the. He was also one of the first guys to rely a lot on what we called flying moves in the ring: body slams, drop kicks, pile drivers, ricochets off the rope into his opponent, action moves that are commonplace today. All of those moves were in use before Rogers came along, but they were used sparingly. Most of the wrestling prior to Rogers' emergence was done in the, on the mat. Rogers was the first to use flying moves in quantity, staying off the mat, and the style was so popular with the fans that other wrestlers, including me, followed his lead. So essentially, they're saying that he was a spot monkey, but <laughs> that Fez actually went with it. Well, And it's interesting as well, because he's the more mobile guy, and when we look at uh, matches where there's like, clashes of styles it's usually like the heel who's trying to like slow things down and in, in, in what we see in the modern day and stuff whereas here it's it's the exact opposite the heels trying to like speed things up the heels trying to avoid wrestling because he knows he's not as good well, a wrestler I think he's trying to avoid it in this match as well but he just wants to throughout the match the constant thing that it's going back to is rogers trying to sneak in a hit because the referee is never distracted He's never bumped. There's never anything like that. So to cheat, you've got only a split second in there. And there's got to be almost a shade of grey in it so the ref can't quite disqualify him. Or, or, you know, it's like a player going in for just the hard enough tackle that they don't quite get. You know, it's like how a football team will will cycle round the the harsh tackle so that no one can get two red cards, you know? Yeah, like on Zaha. Because it's just one of them. He's having to just pick his moments which are constantly to have him in the headlock, but instead of doing an open palm strike, he's constantly moving him around to keep him out of the referee's eye of sight. So the ref can see the thrusting motion, but to the fans that are looking, and he probably made sure to do it to all four sides of the ring at some point, Mm -hmm. he's punching him in the head, but when the referee talks, he's saying that it's an open hand palm strike. There's one particular bit in the second fall where he does it for like quite an extended period because he's constantly trying to adjust to um, Jack Dempsey's ring position it's like um basically like a small shuffle dance around the ring effectively it's i think it's good and the fact that it's a boxing ref like an ex-boxer who is a referee sort of adds like some uh, credence to it because he's got to work harder to hide the punch because he's being refed by a man who knows exactly what a punch is. He can't go, oh, that was an accident. Jack Dempsey would full-on know. It feels a lot like a, yeah, like a boxer who will take opportunities to do a kidney punch in the in the clinch. Yeah. Something that Evander Holyfield was accused of doing all the time, going in with his head, so mm. that he can have, which was what Tyson was ultimately responding to when he just lost it and bit his <laughs> ear off. It wasn't, it's not acceptable, but it wasn't... Unprovoked entirely. You yeah. know. And that's the or, thing that um, Thez throughout the whole match is constantly threatening to basically shut him up with a with a, a right hand. And when he does yeah. hit Rogers with something, it sends Rogers flying, you know? Beautiful. It just spills he just the way he spills out the ring. It's yeah. a hell of a um it's awkward as a bump because he doesn't fall flat, he sort of falls into a bloke. Yeah, well again it's because they want to make it naturalistic and feel like yeah. it's all in that moment. And uh, like I said, even when he's doing doing the run of the ropes, which was the thing we saw, I saw this whole thing in the GIF, and it was the run of the ropes that particularly got me. It's like he charges at Thes, Thes does a leapfrog, and it's like the push that he does onto the back of Rogers is what propels him into the ropes, and he doesn't even want to run the ropes because it's because yeah. it's an unnatural thing to do, but he can't help but do it as he's trying to get back to his feet, and as he does so, uh, Thes I think ducks him a second time, and he's 
He kind of does it almost Rey Mysterio style, where he bounces off onto the second and bottom rope as he's going. And as he's trying, just as he's almost getting his equilibrium back, he's in he's in place for Thursday with a drop kick. Yeah, uh, it's sort of like a knee drop kicky thing, isn't it? It's not like your classic yeah. drop kick. Yeah, it's not. But again, it's like it's just the the, the naturalistic getting it in that yeah. moment, not trying to. But I like I like that. Yeah, yeah, well, it's because it's trying to be more realistic, you know. Yeah, and. I think the thing I... It's difficult for me because I think the thing I struggled with a little bit was uh, trying to see this through 1950s eyes, if that makes sense. Because I did like have a little bit of... Towards Fez, I was like, well, he's fine, but I'm not getting a lot. Uh, and he didn't seem the crowd were that enthused with him. No, they hate well, Rogers, but they weren't that enthused with him. That's just the response I was reading from that well, particular... I mean, Fez act. is basically seen as the one of the greatest draws in wrestling history. He was a consistent yeah. draw for decades. You know... If, oh, yeah, yeah. Fully aware of that. I'm just yeah. telling you... And you've also got to take into account this historical context, because this is before the Beatles and the 60s and everything, and, and, and culture going down the way of the... the Rogers. At this point, it is still the straight-laced, square George. You know, like Fez, despite his hair going, he does have that kind of matinee idol in a sort of somewhere between like a Robert Mitchum, Humphrey Bogart, yeah. Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne kind of look to him. Whereas Rogers has more of an effete, pretty boy thing that you would see from like a James Dean and a Marlon Brando maybe in the late years. Touch of the Owen Hart with the face structure. Yes, he does look a lot like Owen Hart at different points, especially when like the the sweat starts to flatten his hair down. He does look a lot like Owen at that point. Mm. Uh, But he does, I mean, you can see so much of Ric Flair there because obviously Ric Flair modelled so much of him off, especially when he gets into the strut. There's one moment when they do do the run of the ropes again at the later point and it's like Fez is ready for him, but at that point, Rogers is able to put the brakes on, and he just does the strut that Ric Flair would do in mm. the match when he suddenly things are going my way. And like I said, for most of it, the whole story of the match seems to be that Rogers uh, is is just as good as him, maybe on the mat. Rogers, they both have the things that they rely upon. Rogers has the headlock takedown, Fez has the head scissors and the hammerlock. And they're constantly going back and forth over the control of that thing. And then Rogers is trying to find those openings to get the to hit Fez. And Fez wants to keep it clean, but is always willing to go back and you know keep fighting back. Uh, but eventually, over time, these underhanded tactics are starting to get to Fez, both like clouding his judgment and, and causing him to to lose his temper when he doesn't want to. But it is also just wearing him out. He's hurt. He has a slight cut or he's, his nose is bleeding and he might have a slight cut on, and he's, uh, somewhere about him that the commentator's alluding to. How can Thez come back from this? It's a great way of making Thez... It seems like they're almost physical equals to one another. Maybe Thez is a little bit better in the wrestling, but Rogers offsets that by being underhanded, going for the uppercuts when he can, getting the... You mentioned... Up, um, hitting him low... And I want to like pick up on that when you said there, because there's a great visual between Falls 2 and Fall 3 that the cameraman gets of, um, Fe- I think it's, it, Fez's dad is his corner man, isn't he? Yeah. And he's like vaselining and like trying to like just close up the cut as much as he can. Like, and having a cut man, more realism. It's like a nice, yeah. beautiful little like touch. And especially like when he like, um, the commentator picks up on the look that Lou Fez's dad gives to uh, Buddy Rogers. He's like, I want to mess you up myself because you're yeah. being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, there is some great presentation stuff. Um, 
Rogers's valet, the way he sort of dressed like an old style, old yes. style, like sort of but, house uh, steward. Yeah, but, but again, that's yeah. coming from Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George used to have a guy dressed up like that who would spray the ring with perfume before yeah, Rogers just, came, uh, before George yeah. went into the ring. It's taking that Gorgeous George showmanship, but having more of an edge maybe in the ring. Although I haven't seen much of Gorgeous George, that'll be another thing we'll have to do for a match of the week mm. option going on. But I don't think Rod Thez was ever that much didn't respect George that much compared to Rogers. What's so funny is you could there's so few moves in this match. It is headlock takedowns and head scissors, snapmare, drop kick. There's a pile driver at one point and that's the biggest move in the match basically. Body slams. Yeah. Like very early on, there's like Rogers hits there's with the Hell of a driver as well. Isn't it? It's like the gotch style where he pulls the yeah. like the, the style of pile driver the Suzuki sort of does as well to this day. And Suzuki is probably the closest thing to that old-fashioned way of doing things. And maybe yes. a little bit of Katsuyori Shibata as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, they're very much like realistic. I want to beat the shit. Well, you know, so much of Japanese wrestling is built from Luthes. You know, they see him mm. as the god, the originator of pro wrestling. And you can see so much of that even to this day in, in how it is. And the belt that Thez has at the end, that was the belt that he gave to the UWFI when they started up. Ah. The idea being that that was the continuation because theirs was more realistic shoot-style wrestling, you know? Okay, that's Which cool. is another guy, another promotion that I will make you watch at least a couple of times for this series. Frequent listeners will know why I'm doing that noise. <laughs> um... But yeah, what did you make of the commentator? It was it was it was clearly being record, recorded after the fact, and it wasn't like mm. you had the school of media. You know, this is like the start of any notion of commentating on a sporting event outside of radio. But this is for a visual medium. You know, I so thought he I was, thought was decent. Funny. He kept saying Mister Rogers a lot, and in, in, yeah, the, obviously didn't mean what it meant in 1950. Yeah, I think it would have worked. He gave some technical knowledge, and it was funny actually. At one point, he was describing. Like Joe Rogan style in the UFC, yeah. how you can escape one of the arm locks, which is one where they've got your arm and they're, they're stretching and they've got their full I'm length. Trying to basically pull it out and sock it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's saying the way that you've got to reverse, you've got to escape this, and he's describing he's it. The and suddenly Thez stands up, puts his, rests his foot on Rogers' head, and just all of a sudden, he's got the same move applied to Rogers, and it surprises the commentator. The name again is Russ Davis, R U double S, Russ. I have my store teeth in tonight. It's hard for me to say it. Davis, D-A-V-I-S. Here's a full stretch on Thez, an arm stretch, being benched now. But Rogers was the guy who was getting the count on him. He realized it and heaved Lou back onto the mat there. There's only one counter for this hold. That's to suddenly slip your opponent's feet and roll right up. Well, hello. It's a nice way to take it away. Makes fool out of me, doesn't it? Well, that's not a hard job, believe me. Which is really cool in a way, you know? It yeah. shows the ingenuity that Thez is having to use in order to escape the situation. And, like, he roll, the commentator rolls with it. He sort of improvises, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he doesn't, like, it's not jarring. It's not like, oh, that's different. I, I, I really like the commentator, but I think he was crying out for a second um, mm. for another person because there's moments he's, like, making great like little points or like barbs about 
Mr. Like Mr. Rogers, so to speak. And it's it's kind of like it's Gorilla Monsoon without a Jesse Ventura. Yeah, a little bit because where's the playback? And like uh, again, it's because we're so used to having at least two men booths with the overwhelming majority of like wrestling that Basically we have outside of Joey Styles and ECW. That's all we've ever had, pretty much. Yeah. Um. But no, he was he was good. Yeah. Um. Very much of the time. Um. What did you think of the finish? Uh, I, I, so I think it was a great way of again. This did he, that did he lose consciousness? Luthes, was it a count out? I think the idea was that he was outside of the ring, and so he was counted out by the referee because you could see him counting, and he couldn't get back into yeah. the ring because he was in the classic Cactus Jack Mick Foley. But it's obviously Buddy Rogers that maybe had you know it's, it's existed yeah. as a thing thirty years before Mick, forty years before Mick Foley was doing it, where he charges at Thez, Thez dodges him. And he flies in between the second and the top rope too, and he, and in that he ties the ropes up, and he's stuck. His neck is stuck in the ropes, and so it's uh, he's outside of the ring essentially in the eyes of the ref at that point, and he can't get himself out. And Thez isn't about to help him. Well, yeah. The referee counts him out, and he's just outside the ring then for the rest of this period, whilst Thez is putting his. Putting his vet, uh, putting his robe back on and posing with the belt. Just getting dressed. There's, there's, um, there's a cop out there trying to help Rogers back up. <laughs> it's. I thought it was a way, you know, of this period where the, it's the touring champ going around and yeah. In some environments, Thez is the more of the aggressor when it's against a babyface local figure, but in this one, he was the face against the heel. But he can well, do it, 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 you know. It was like depending on the territory. There's another one on the WWE Network I remember watching where he wasn't he wasn't as cheating as Rogers, but he was a lot more aggressive. He was doing a lot more of those things like when he, uh, you know, when he's got his elbow on, on the oh, ear and he claps his hand. Yeah, like the railroad sort of spike he, he style do, thing. He'd do doing. more of those things in a match, or he'd be more of the aggressor. Whereas in this one, it is Rogers that's the aggressor, mm. but it's ultimately his aggressiveness that makes him do a reckless mistake, and it's his undoing. But he loses without. It looking like maybe if it hadn't been for that he could have won this match yeah I, well I I would expand on that slightly I think there's an element of the heel um, heel's hubris leading to his downfall as well yeah of course yeah. more than it's just aggressiveness but as you're, you're right it keeps both men strong like, he cheated so much that something unfortunate happening to him can just really feel like karma in a way yeah. at that moment feels like par for the course it's like well you get what you deserve so we're not going to do like the would you give it five stars, what rating would you give it, or anything like that. Uh, I don't think you can look at this and give it like a star rating because no. it's so of a separate thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but would you recommend this to other people to look at? I would. Uh, yeah, I'd recommend it purely because you, people see wrestling as very much like when you say wrestling to people, they think 80s. Bright Colours, Hulk Hogan, what have you. And it's nice to show that wrestling did exist before then. And like it's a nice little historical thing. And in Buddy Rogers, I see I did see someone who could have transcended eras. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you dropped Buddy easy. Rogers into this era, he would have adapted and been a big star, you know? Yeah. And there's like in my head, or I already have, like cross era dream matches I, I'd have liked to sing Sting like babyface Sting against well Bobby essentially Rogers. that's what you get with Ric Flair against Sting like yeah. so much of Rogers is Ric Flair mm. you know even down to the nickname yeah or like imagine Daniel Bryan would jump at the chance to travel through time and wrestle Buddy Rogers or someone like well, that I think, I think Daniel Bryan would probably be more keen to wrestle Luthers yeah but if you offered him Buddy Rogers he wouldn't like sniff it 
Luthez against Katsuyori Shibata. Luthez against Minoru Suzuki. Christ. Imagine if he kicks the rest of his hair off of his head. <laughs> Shibata. Um, so yeah, Luthez versus Ishii. I, I don't know if people would be able to watch the whole 30 minutes or so of this match. Yeah. But I definitely think it's something that you would be curious to watch, like maybe the first five to six minutes. Seeing the language of wrestling in its early... It's like when you read... It's almost... It's not as ridiculously past it as that, but it's like almost reading a Shakespearean text or Chaucer. <laughs> You know what I mean? In that there's yeah. the English language is there, but it's not the English language that we speak. Oh, no, yeah. Where it's all derived from. You can see where the running of the ropes comes from, but at this point, it's not presented in that way. Like, now, to them, they probably... Luther's probably sees the way that people run the ropes now as people now get annoyed at the multiple super kicks in a match when it used to be back in Shawn Michaels' day. It was one and done. It's sort of almost like a caricature of itself, but it's not. It's mm. just the fact that it has... Wrestling itself has evolved so much that it seems even more dated than it should be. Do you get where I'm coming from there? Yeah, sort of. Well, yeah, I mean... Well, I was going to say, again, if it had been 62, but it's not. It's 51. Yeah. Um, so it's a different kind of reference to, to it now. So it feels less, you know... It worked for the time. Yeah. And it is good wrestling. It's just that our frame of reference is, is so distorted now this is to it, them this is this is okada omega this is yeah. you know this is austin rock you know in that in that time period that's how big a deal it is hmm. i mean the crowd looks like packed and there's yeah, like all yeah. these little... although they're not they're not reacting you know they're not chanting or anything like that no. they're not, and they're not going on an emotional roller coaster because there aren't those trademark build-up you know buddy hmm. rogers plays to the crowd but he only plays it in limited moments he plays it more than anyone else does. Plays it way more than like Fez isn't going to hulk up and no. look to the crowd for encouragement. He's he's staying in the ring because again he's a sportsman and the whole story of it for Fez is that he's trying to keep his head on and not yeah. trying to lose his temper too much so that it takes him out of the match. And he's also just trying to keep up with all the you know the the cheating and the, the and chicanery. The, yeah, and he plays like dazed as time goes on because he's getting punched in the head constantly. A you lot. Know? Yeah, and those uppercuts do look like. Brutal. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's his like bot, um, gut punches as well. Like, yeah, he makes yeah, those yeah. look. Uh, he's probably just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine Fez is like, just hit me. Yeah. I definitely think people should at least watch some of it. I wouldn't mm. blame you for not watching all of it, but if you can, I think it's a very rewarding experience. If you're, if you're keen about wrestling and you want to see the building blocks of it, the foundation of it, you see it in this match. You see where Ric Flair comes from. You see he's... where so much of New Japan now comes from. You see where it's, you see where the presentation of the larger than life characters of the WWF comes from. I think it's appropriate that Buddy Rogers was the first ever WWF champion. You know, and I will say off the back of this, it has completely piqued my interest in Buddy Rogers. I already knew who Buddy Rogers was, but, but I would Lou make Fence. it. I knew I knew Lou as well, but like off the back of this, if I wanted to seek out one of the two wrestle more mm. i'm gonna be looking for more buddy rogers stuff well that might be something for you to do in a later match of the week simon but it's your choice next uh we've set ourselves up one of the rules we've set ourselves with this along with the one for me what you know one for me one for simon um is that we will limit ourselves to only one in every five matches being a wwe match and, and that Simon's, includes the big yellow brand as well yes, that includes nxt and simon is choosing his wwe card early so, Simon, what is the match you've chosen for our very first WWE match as well? 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's left field. Um, complete left field. Complete pace it's change been, from what we just It's been referenced saw. in some previous ma- uh, discussions we've had on this show. Yeah, so, so, so you may you know what I'm about to say. as a particular best of a certain genre of wrestling match. Yes. We are going to watch WrestleMania 24, Floyd Money Mayweather take on the big show. So whilst the inheritor of the mantle of the Nature Boy Buddy Rogers was having his... Uh, what was supposed to be his final match. <laughs> yes. Uh, on that same show, we're watching what you consider the greatest celebrity match in wrestling. The greatest one I've seen. Okay. But that's been it for us. It's lmtyspod at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances, if there's another five-star match in the between the release and of this one and the release of the next one, next week you should be listening to Floyd Mayweather versus The Big Show. But until then, my name's Lorca Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time.